0: That's Network.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: I'm HRN's Communications Director Kat Johnson with a preview of this week's episode of Meat in 3, our weekly food news roundup. Fall is finally here, so it's time to get funky and devote an episode to some of our favorite spunky microbes. punch I just provide this beautiful, whimsical lens on how the world works. They have so many roles. They're this strange and magical-seeming group of organisms, but they've got it all figured out. Should you eat
2: the cheese rind? Can you eat the rind? These are like the biggest questions.
1: We'll answer all of your questions about mysterious mushrooms and crazy curds. Plus, we'll give you a sneak listen to the newest season of Modernist Breadcrumbs. So tune in to this week's Meet and Three on Heritage Radio Network, available wherever you listen to podcasts. This program is brought to you by Joule, sous vide by Chef Steps. Joule takes the guesswork out of cooking. Learn more at ChefSteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E.
3: Dustin Wilson and Thomas Pastuzak. It's pretty close. Give it to me. Pastuzak. Pastuzak. <laughs> I screwed it up the last time, so I wanted to make sure when I started I screwed up again. Pastuzak. Perfect. Okay. We'll talk to Dustin and Thomas about wines from the Northern Rhone, Rhone, Psalm 3, and some other cool wine projects. We'll taste the Northern Rhone that the guys brought in for our weekly wine sip, a clop Renaissance Cornas. I'm your host, Sam Ruby. Stay with us for the Great Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people. Master Sommelier Dustin Wilson is the proprietor of Verve Wine in New York and the newly opened Verve Wine in San Francisco, a retail and online marketplace for Somme-curated wines. Thomas Pastouchak... Oversees the wine program for Daniel Humm and Will Gadera's Nomad Empire in New York City, Los Angeles, and soon-to-be Las Vegas. Uh, Dustin and Thomas came up through the ranks of great restaurants like Frasca, Calico and & Sons, and Eleven Madison, just to name a few. Dustin appears in the soon-to-be released, or released, we'll talk about that, Psalm 3 movie. And Thomas is making some great wine in a bottle and a can. They are the creators of Rebol de Rhone, a four-day celebration of the wines of the Northern Rhone, this November 15th through the 18th in New York City. 100% of proceeds benefit the No Kid Hungry campaign. Is that the right day? That is correct. Okay, good. Welcome back to the Great Nation. Thanks for having us, Sam. Thomas and uh, Dustin. Listen, we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot of stuff going on, and I want to uh, cover everything.
2: You're in charge. Let's go.
3: But let's start with... uh, Northern Rhone wines, let's talk about Raboul, and we'll get into a bunch of things. So, collectively, you guys have been around more wine than anyone. Collectively. Well, I don't know about anyone. All right. Yeah, we've we had our fair share. So, take that, and you have to explain to our listeners this love and obsession with Northern Rome wines that prompted you to, you know, put a festival. And I know you love other wines, but you really focused in on that.
2: Definitely. Um, I think that there's a lot of great wine in the world that some of these like Dustin and I can get very excited about. Um, when we started working together at the time, Dustin had just jumped into uh, the position of wine director at Eleven Madison Park, um, and I was just getting into opening The Nomad, in New York, uh, and we realized we had a lot of common passions, and one of them was the wines of the Northern Rhone. Um, and we can get more into why we love them specifically. Well, uh, we will. Yeah, we will. And uh, we, did a, we ended up doing a good amount of travel together, going to different wine regions, and certainly visited the Northern Rhone together. Um, and we have had many great meals over many great bottles of Northern Rhone. And um, going back now, probably about three years, we were in the Northern Rhone on a trip and visiting a number of great domain, um, but in particular, we were at Domaine andre um and visiting his estate and tasting his Condrio and his Saint-Joseph wines. And uh, we were just reveling over how great the wines were and um, we were talking about how there's so many great festivals and opportunities to celebrate different regions of the world of wine, um, Northern Rome not being one of them. Um, and Andre, he actually said it's a bit of a shame that nobody has uh, had taken, a, taken the opportunity to do that. So Dustin and I looked at each other and we said, you know, this is great. We should do this. We should throw, you know, a big party to celebrate um, the area, but let's also do it for, for good cause. So when we were speaking with Andre, we said, well, okay, what would you call a big party that you might host in the northern Rhône, you know, in the cellar or in the vineyard at the end of a successful vintage? You know, is, is there a tradition of that? Turns out there is, and um, it's called a reboul. And so reboul is basically the after-harvest party that's thrown for the harvest hands, for the cellar hands, basically as a thanks for a great vintage. Um, and so we came up with the name Raboul de Rhône. Uh, And that's how we kind of kicked that off. This was what year? I think, I I always forget, but I think early
4: early, uh, early, early 16. Yeah, Yeah. because we were tasting the 15s out of barrel. That's right, yeah. Yeah.
3: And how, we'll talk about it a little later, but how long did it take to really firm up the idea and move on it?
4: Well, it was one of those things we, uh, you know, you have great ideas while you're sitting around the table drinking a lot of wine, uh, and then you're, you know, you're in France and then you get back home you get back into the swing of things. So it was actually a couple of months went by before we even discussed it again. And, uh, it was one of those things that we were like, you know, that conversation that we had, we don't want it to turn into one of those great ideas that just fizzles out. Right. So Thomas and I were like, look, let's, let's act on this and let's try to get the ball moving somehow. Um, so, you know, if this was early 16, we, we threw the first uh, rebull last November, so about a year and a half total that it took to kind of get this thing all, all planned and mapped out.
3: When uh, did you decide that you would do it for a cause, raise money for a charity, was that always a right away, idea? Right away, right
4: away. You know, Thomas and I both worked a lot of uh, various wine events um, that, that kind of fit into a similar mold. and. Uh, we've always really enjoyed working them, and they're a lot of fun. Um, but where we saw the biggest opportunity to kind of do something a little bit different is, um, you know, take this captured audience that we have, and this uh, this audience that you know, frankly, gets to experience a lot of really great uh, wines of the world and great food, etc. Um, and let's let's make it for a great cause right out of the gates. Um, and for us, you know, we had both worked with No Kid Hungry for uh, a number of years. Thomas, I think, was uh, like 11 or 12 years or something like that. Yeah, on the board. Um, he had done a number of events with them. Uh, he helped get me involved with them, actually. So I had done, uh, I worked in a sommelier capacity with them for a few years. Um, and, you know, they fit right into kind of what we do. They're very involved in the food and wine world. Uh, the charity itself benefits um, uh, children who. Uh, have Don't have a lot of great access to meals throughout the course of the day, especially in the mornings and the afternoon, like uh, lunchtime and, and whatnot. Um, and it creates programs for those children and helps to feed them. So uh, for us, it was a really important cause and one we, we really believe in. And uh, so we went to them, and they were our first choice uh, when we came up with the and idea. Sealed, sealed and uh, right we on. sat down, we're like, hey, we got this idea for this crazy Rowan event, and, dah, 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 dah. and they were like, it sounds awesome, let's do it.
3: Thrilled. Um, We'll come back and talk about the event and, you know, all the pieces to it. Before we get to that, you know, let me take advantage of your uh, expertise and, you know, the amount of wines you've tasted. Give me some current intel on the region. Um, Talk to me about recent vintages, any exciting new winemakers. You know, I I mean, things never change. Some things do. You know, let's talk about... I, I think there's been a couple of great vintages. So tell me just what's going on there.
2: Sure, I mean, since you men- mentioned vintages, uh, we're pretty excited because for Ravel de 2018, 2019, uh, we're gonna be really focusing on the 2016 vintage. Um, which, which is gonna Talk be, about that for a second. Which is an excellent vintage in the area. Uh, 16 was a challenging vintage in many regions in Europe. Um, throughout the course of the year. Um, but what ended up happening in the Northern Rhone is you have wines of great finesse, freshness, elegance. Um, honestly, for, for my personal style, and I, I think Dustin would probably agree, that it's a vintage that shows off, you know, Cool Climate Syrah at its finest. Um, it's really so So describe
3: Cool Climate Syrah versus you know, a vintage where it's not as cool? What, sure. what are the characteristics?
2: Well, uh, it's a big conversation, but, you know, Syrah, we love Syrah from the Northern Rhone because um, it's a combination of weight and intensity, but elegance and lift as well. The wines are very aromatic. They're spice. There's a plenty of fruit character, but then there's also a lot of earthy, savory, meaty, uh, you know, bloody, sanguine kind of character. Very to common it.
3: descriptors yeah. of those wines.
2: Exactly. And, um, and so Syrah... <clears throat> especially in a, a great in a vintage like 2016, really sort of promotes those, uh, those kind of characteristics, more of the mineral savory characteristics, which we love, um, plenty of acidity and juiciness in the wine. So it uh, has length on the palate, but it's also super fresh and refreshing. Um, so the wines are extremely versatile. They also age really, really well.
3: And they're, they're in the market now, right? Mm-hmm. Or coming, or they're there, right? Exactly, yeah. So they're accessible. Correct. Just quickly, 15, 14, the preceding vintages?
2: 15, uh, especially as far as critics are concerned, um, is it is a blockbuster vintage. It is a very powerful, uh, juicy, uh, very driven vintage. It's, it, the wines are going to be known for having uh, great longevity, but they're also very intense and very weighted and very muscular um, in style. 2014, uh, by contrast, a brighter, fresher, lighter vintage. Um, so I think it also... It's an interesting part of the conversation of the region that 16, 15, and 14 show such different characteristics in successive vintages. It really does show you the vintage variation or vintage specificity that you have in, in, in a part of the world like the Northern Rome. So
3: that's a fun vertical to have a 14, 15, 16 in front of you of a great winemaker.
2: Yeah,
4: totally. And I think for us too, you know, what's what's interesting is, uh, you know, we consider all of those vintages to be very good. Um, right. You get different. Flavors out of them, uh, but I think that we wouldn't pick one and say, "Hey, we think this is the best vintage or something." Do you like have that. a favorite? Or, uh,
2: well, well, I haven't really tasted many of the '16s
4: yet, okay. so we'll see. We'll see. You? We, we uh-huh. taste it out a barrel,
2: but uh, we'll see. No, I'm not. I don't. I don't know about a particular favorite. I think there are vintages which have certain characteristics which right. you love, but right. yeah.
4: What I like about it is that it's three very good vintages that all have distinct. Which characteristics. is great for the region, yeah, and it's great to tell a story.
2: What
3: about anything new going on there, any new producers, any changes? I mean, I know the region is sort of some of the same guys for a long time, but any, anything of note?
4: Well, it's, you know, it's a very small region, right. um, and I think that a lot of the producers that are there it's you know, certainly remain, and I think they're, they're still in the forefront. What we're starting to see now, though, are some of the younger generation of those same estates. Uh, getting a little bit more involved in the, uh, the wine so things are with turning their, over. Their parents, yeah, the kids so are uh, next generation. Are kind of like getting getting their hands dirty a little bit with some of this. So uh, they haven't quite taken over yet for the most part. But uh, you are seeing more and more involvement from. Uh, from uh, the, that next generation, you know, basically the, the people that are like Thomas right. and I's age.
3: I, I think that's going on everywhere around the world.
4: Yeah, and you're seeing like little kind of uh, like micro-negotiant type producers kind of popping up here and there that are doing some interesting things, but... That you know, never but,
3: really existed, or...
4: Uh, well, not that really, uh, have, haven't existed, but... Not, they haven't not been recently. These, yeah, they're, right. they're fairly more recent than, you know, some of the bigger names.
3: Right. All right, so... For the people, the listeners that have not tasted through a lot of Northern Rhone wines, and the whole idea of this show is to drop some knowledge on everybody, be accessible, um, you know, give people some good ideas. Let's talk about the best way to dive into the region. I mean, if you want to go to Northern taste Northern Rhone wines. I'll I'll set it up. It helps to walk into a good wine store like Reverb or another place that cares about those wines and they'll turn you on. But, you know, the the guy just jumping into it is not going to buy, you know, an expensive hermitage. Give me the the primer, how do you get into this. Yeah, so I think, you
4: know, the Northern Rhone is made up of a few different appellations. There's uh, Corotie in the north. Um, Now, mind you, all of the red wines from the Northern Rhone are always focused on Syrah. Um, so keep that in mind, it's always Syrah based wines. Uh, depending on what exact appellation you're uh, drinking from, they may or may not be blending in some white grapes into that as well. So, Co in the north, uh, Syrah, but they'll uh, oftentimes blend in a little bit of Viognier. Uh, Another white. Uh, which or is a white. white, grape. Yep. white. Um, just south of that, you actually have the appellations of Condrieu and uh, Chateau Grier, which are white wine appellations that focus exclusively on Viognier. Uh, then if you travel down south, uh, you'll end up in St. Joseph, uh, where St. Joseph is a long appellation running north-south on the left bank of the river uh, against Syrah, but you'll also see some uh, Marsan and Roussan blended in with the Syrah, or um, you can also have St. Joseph Blanc, which are those two same white grapes. Right. Uh, then you've got Hermitage, you've got Cornos. Cornos is always 100% Syrah. Um, and then you've got St. in in the very south. Uh, and then, of mm-hmm. course, uh, Crows Hermitage, which is a large appellation that runs around Hermitage. So for me, I think what is interesting, you know, each of the appellations offers a little something different. Um, but if you're a, a person Let's that's focusing... talk about price. Yeah, you know, you're, so you're, I you're think not... if you're diving into Northern Rome for the first time, I think where you find the most bang for the buck uh, is in a place like either St. Joseph, or probably Crow's Hermitage. Those are two Appalachians that tend to produce very uh, good quality wines, but still at a really approachable price point.
3: Okay. Um, can you, Thomas or Dustin, can you name a producer or two sure. at those levels?
2: Sure. Yeah, I mean, um, jumping in and just to speak about... Sencheson, you know, on
3: a lo- lower yep. value price end. Certainly. Quality...
2: Um, you know, a, a, a favorite would be uh, Domaine Jean Louis Chave, and certainly it's a it's a very legendary, very historic uh, estate. You know, there's been uh, winemaking in that family for hundreds of years. Um, while Chavre, Chave correct? Chave. Yes, Um, While the domain is known for making one of the most legendary wines of of the The area, Hermitage Rouge and Hermitage Blanc, um, the family also focuses on a more affordable uh, negociant line, uh, JL Chave selections. There you find some Croze Hermitage, some Saint-Joseph that are made, um, a combination of fruit that is sourced from vineyards that the family owns, but also from fruit that, are, uh, that is sourced from uh, other vineyards in the area. And those wines offer really, really good value. They tend to be you know, very well-priced. You can find stuff under $40 um, you know, on a store shelf, perhaps under $30 as well. Um, another producer, that, um, one, one of whom will be joining us this year from Saint-Joseph, uh, Domaine Monier-Perriol, These are sure. Monier is M O N I E R uh, hyphen P E R R E O L. Right. Uh, So it's actually a a sort of a coming together of of two winemaking families um, using mutual resources to make really uh, fresh, bright, uh, accessibly priced Saint Joseph wines. Um, So I think that's another place where you'll find like really delicious, spicy reds um, that are very well priced. Uh, Again, you're you're talking about you know under the forty dollar mark usually retail. Are
3: they, you know like in uh, Burgundy, there's village wines or Chablis. I mean, what what do you equate in uh, the Northern Rhone to those type of wines?
4: Yeah, so I think uh, you know there are no classifications in the Northern right. Rhone, but I mean, I think it would be generally accepted to say that probably Hermitage and uh Cote Routy would be kind of the Grand Cruz of the Northern Rhone. Right. Um, and then Cornas might be a little more of like a premier crew. And then you've got like Saint-Joseph and crozes Hermitage might be more of a kind of quote-unquote village what, type wine.
3: What about. goes on the lowest end of that? Now,
4: you know, of course there's always exceptions, right? There's uh, certain producers in Saint-Joseph that probably outperform some Hermitage producers or Koro T producers. Right. You know, you can kind of argue all day long about that. But right. generally speaking, that's kind of how it would be.
3: Right. Um, it's interesting that there's no real classification. I mean, the, the Appalachians are broken down, yes, yes. but um, all right. So while I have you here, tell me about some other wines outside of the Northern Rhone, in the store, in the restaurants. You know that are exciting you, or you, you getting crazy about any particular regions seasonally i mean what are you tasting and
2: give me more than you know one give me give me a few each well i mean i certainly have to plug the finger lakes new york uh, about but i'm okay with that great. because other
3: than your involvement there's a lot happening yeah and explain why now
2: 100 is i think uh again we're talking about the finger lakes it's it's upstate or mid-state new york uh, about four or five hour drive northwest of new york city beautiful landscape that is a glacially carved area. Last Ice Age carved out these like really dramatic north-south facing lakes. It's beautiful to go to. It has a very, um, it has a long history certainly for vacationing and uh, a beautiful place to hike and to be in nature. Um, but it is one of the youngest wine regions, I would say, in the, in the world in terms of how many, uh, how few decades it's actually had in terms of wine production, or or more focused serious wine production, but the the quality and the the level of what's happening right now is really is really fantastic. And every single year, it seems like there's a new small producer coming up, or kind of what we were saying before. You know, there is a former assistant winemaker who starts his own little thing, or the son of right. a winemaking family that splits off and starts his own production. Um, and it's it, it's an interesting combination of <clears throat> the region is young the Appalachian is 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 young, um the number of people who are investing in it um, right now, uh, it's very high, and with social media and with enthusiasm for people in the wine world to find new areas that offer great value but also high quality wine, it's a super, super exciting region. So, you're used to seeing Riesling from the Finger Lakes, in, right. both I in a tribe. It's the yeah. Riesling, Riesling is but What anything. else is coming out of it? I mean, for other white wines, you know, there's some uh, Burgundy inspired Chardonnays being made right now. Um, you know, there are certainly Alsace inspired uh, Pinot Gris. Um, a fantastic amount of great rosé yeah. coming from the area. Um, I know wine, uh,
3: Nathan and Pascaline are making a pet nat. Yep, they're making some pet nat. We'll net. talk about your wines, mm-hmm. you know, a little towards the end of the show. All right, so Finger Lakes, I'm with you on that. We're going to go back and forth, two each. Give me something exciting to you.
4: Yeah, for me, I think uh, in, the last, in the last few months, I guess, I've uh, been really excited about what's happening in Spain, uh, particularly. So Spain, Spain. kind of hit
3: your. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and radar I did only recently. Well, you know, I've, I mean, I've you've been, known about I've known it,
4: about Spain for a long time, obviously, um, and, and drank a lot of great like Ribera del Duero, Rioja wines, sherry, things like that. But I think for me, what's been most exciting in the last probably I don't know year ish. Uh, has been some of the stuff that's coming from different places outside of those really kind of old school classics. Let me hear. Um, So, especially over in in uh, Galicia, so Galicia. Uh, places like the Canary, well Canary Islands separately, but over in Galicia, those great producers now in Baixas that are doing some really interesting things. Uh, Ribeiro, particularly uh, Rivera Sacra, is a really interesting spot. Um, uh, Pierzo as well, so a lot of Mencia. That's that's right. being grown Mencia's over there. That's, the grape, that's right. really right. fun, exactly. And great, uh, great. Uh, also a lot uh, of other point. like a lot valley, other, right? Yeah, totally, and a lot of other great like uh, local indigenous varieties: <laughs> Broncailo and Ferrol, and like weird things that you know most people probably haven't heard of it's really fun
3: were you in spain recently or no
4: i was yeah i went back in uh, in july um i was out there for about the a week and time. a half and kind of toured through that whole area and some really exciting stuff really delicious wines that are very terroir driven um really great winemaking and uh, i mean the, the terroir itself is really incredible to see uh local grape varieties hands-off wine production methods and uh, the wines are are nice. fairly inexpensive so i think nice. that's really exciting
3: Thomas, give me one more. So Finger Lakes, I'm with you. Anything else exciting to you?
2: You know, I'm going to jump back to France and say Loire Valley. Um, okay. You know, it's, I, and it's not even that. It's that it's a new and exciting area. Um, but once again, I think there you're starting to see, you know, this younger generation is really jumping in. The, the quality of the production is getting higher. The farming has always been really, really high quality. But now you're really starting to see Cabernet Franc for reds uh, and Chenin Blanc, uh, particularly for whites, um, that are becoming really, really exciting now. You know, you're seeing more labels that say Anjou or, you know, Sommoir Champagny, these villages that used to, you would only see a few producers right. making wine there or putting it on the label or you, you'd only find a few um, demands that are getting the wines into the country. And now you're seeing this like real uh, upsurge of high quality producers. Um, and again, the wines are super fairly priced um, and especially for people nowadays are really looking for fresh food, wines, you know, higher acid, more mineral focused wines. <clears throat> Chenin Blanc for whites and Cabernet and Franc for reds, you know, certainly delivers those things.
3: That's, I mean, the Loire. I think the thing with the Loire is, like you said, it's been there, but I think the discovery is more recent. I mean, there have been a lot of cheerleaders and advocates for it, but I think it's really out there more in New York, mm-hmm. you know, in bars and restaurants. All right, Dustin, give me, so Spain, Finger Lakes. Loire, give me one more. Yeah,
4: I think uh, for me, another spot that's a little out of the ordinary would be uh, Oregon, um, but not the Willamette Valley, but rather uh, there's a couple new producers in the Columbia Gorge area. Okay, they're doing some pretty interesting stuff, uh, specifically uh, one winery called Minimus
3: M I N I M U S, correct? Okay, and then
4: uh, also. Uh, uh, smock Shop Band uh, and
3: S M O C K Shop, Smock Shop
4: exactly Smock Shop, uh, which that winery is also tied to another one called Hayu Wine Farm. Nate Ready, Nate Reddy's Nate's going to be on yeah, the show. Yeah, in about yeah I a think month. Uh, you know that area is uh, not quite as explored as Willamette. You know, Willamette, it's all, right. all the rage. Is know, there some... an
3: appellation there? I know there uh, uh, called yeah, Columbia Gorge
4: Yeah,
3: and it's, um, I mean, it's if you had a guess, there. how many wineries are
4: I don't know how many wineries are there, but when, buzzing, I start to see, when I start it, to see, like, multiple producers from the same area doing some really kind of more out of, uh, you know, breaking, pushing the envelope type of stuff, um, and so when it's really oh, delicious, then then I start to pay attention on those Oregon, cool
3: stuff. Pinot, <coughs> Oregon, you think of Pinot, we're not talking necessarily not talking specifically Pinot with these Pino guys, Piner, and, no, right? No, no,
4: there's kind of varieties, is? there is some Pinot Noir, there's Gewürztraminer, there's, like... Um, Austrian grapes like Zweigelt and Blaufrankisch and like that kind of stuff too. So there's a lot of different types of things growing there, not just your typical Pinot.
3: That, that's a good area to grow some of those grapes, right? Yeah, I mean, yes. Pinot Gris is up there yeah. and some other whites and all that. So that's Columbia Gorge in, Columbia Gorge. in, in Oregon. All right, we'll have to yeah. keep an eye on that. All right, let's talk about... Uh, so those are some great recommendations. I'll post a bunch of stuff on our social media. Let's talk about Robul because there's a lot of uh, moving parts. Um, go back again. You started a little the story and how and why it came about. Um, it came about because you guys were traveling. Yeah, so we uh, just like Hospice de Bone and all these. Other, there's these festivals. Correct. So
4: you know we were, as Thomas mentioned earlier, we were at uh, Andre Perret and tasting with him and he was kind of yelling at us a little bit he was like you know in America you have all these all these events and tastings about Burgundy and Champagne and Loire Valley and Riesling and all this stuff but no, nothing for Northern Ron and
3: is there you know, a Riesling was, festival or something Riesling fire yeah oh, well, yeah. oh yeah. in New York I oh thought, yeah. like you know, in, in New York yeah no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah no he was no, right. no. no, right. no. right. talking about it he got him before he yeah. yeah what's his name Stephen Bitteroff. right yeah Vomboden uh, Vomboden yeah who we
4: love he does great um but uh, but there was nobody doing anything for the Northern Iran in the U.S. So, uh, you know, being the type of people that Thomas and I are, you know, we looked at each other, and of course, immediately. We were like, well, we, we need to be the ones to do this before right. anybody else does. That's right. And um, so that was kind of the impetus for it. Uh, he, he told the story about how we came up with the name, and, um, you know, we got back here to New York, approached the charity, and they were into it. So uh, from there, it was really just kind of a a rolling of, you know, to-dos and mm-hmm. uh you know we learned a lot that first year it was it was
3: uh, well let's talk about it cuz as we talk about the elements yeah you know you'll talk to me about you know any backstories or whatever um so I'll sort of lay out the elements, and you get specific. There's winemaker dinners, there's a walk-around tasting, yep. you know, with a lot of these great wine guys. There's a grand dinner. Is that a BYOB? Is that one of those deals where you invite? It is a BYOB. And exactly. then there's an after-party for all you hungover people. Yeah. All right, so it starts winemaker dinner. There's even seminars, I think you guys Yeah, do. so we can walk so you through th- the whole list of events if you yeah, like. Yeah, because these are the things that are available... For people to, yep. uh, you know come to yep. you know give them some idea and all the
4: tickets are available for purchase on the uh we'll tell visit, them later but yeah. now the
3: best place to go is online on, we
4: have on website is just ribulderone.com
3: r-e-b-o-u-l-e-d-u-r-h-o-n-e yep. correct and that'll get you to your site yep it'll um, outline
4: all the events and uh and uh, connect you to the place to buy tickets um, so let's talk
3: about the elements but i have one curiosity has anything changed much or drastically since last year or you basically you got similar template
2: you know last year we were we were so pleasantly surprised with how smoothly you know the big day saturday um, the walk around the, the, tasting the whole well, seminar in the morning right. walk around tasting during the day uh, we had the, the cocktail whole hour the whole flow into the, the grand dinner which is called La Réboul, into our after party it was just a high energy day and it was you know uh, thanks to our, our team at No and Hungry um, and everyone who Chipped in in terms of the organization. It went so smoothly. So we're not changing a whole lot. We're just making it bigger and better. Right. We're adding more great producers. We're adding more great activities throughout the course of the day. There's going to be more cool stuff to do. Um, and then the big changes we would say is we had one grand dinner last year that was on a different day. This year we're doing two Big boy dinners, um, the days leading up. So to these dinner. are
3: winemaker dinners. Ones at a restaurant. Exactly. One you're doing. I guess the second one you had at a private home, right? Mm-hmm. Or a residence? Exactly. Yeah. All right. So, w- get get
2: specific. Sure. So one is what, and the other is. Yeah. So uh, on on Friday night, which I believe is this the, the uh, 16th. Thursday night. Uh, sorry, I was yeah. First, First night, is night. night is Thursday night. First night is Thursday night. Yes. Uh, we're just, we're doing an awesome dinner. Uh, we're flying over a good friend of ours, Austin Johnson, who's the chef de cuisine at Frenchy Restaurant. In and Paris. In Paris, exactly. Uh, he's gonna be cooking a really, really great meal to be paired with um, what we're calling legendary vintages of the Rhone. So, we're sourcing from France and from private sellers um, just a really incredible assortment of great wines to sure, sort of showcase not just one appellation, but all of them and a number of really great years um, and just kind of celebrate the, the region from 30,000 feet above while we're in this epic, uh, you know, in an epic dining room that overlooks. Lower Manhattan. It's gonna just be a really stunning setting. Um and we're gonna have some visiting winemakers joining so that the guests of that dinner, and it's it's gonna be a relatively small dinner, it's about twenty four people. Um, so the guests, very intimate. Yeah, so quite intimate, and we're gonna have some winemakers um who are over from the Rhone and they're gonna be hanging out that night talking about the wines and, and just interacting with the guests and you know just having a really good time and that's kind of one of the kickoff dinners right. for uh, mm-hmm. for the weekend,
3: and then you're doing another similar format where you're going to feature Cornas, right? Yeah, right. and tell um, me a little about that.
2: And and Friday <laughs> night, Cornas uh, are nowhere, baby. Um, it's a last year. Uh, you know, we had a very special dinner focusing on Hermitage with Jean Louis Chauve. Um, this year, we're doing a different appellation, a different focus, and the focus is Cornas, um, a beloved appellation of the Northern Rhone. Um, and it's this is on the Friday night of the weekend, uh, which is the 16th. November, um, and we're doing it at Legacy Records um, on the west side of Manhattan. Probably
3: one of the hottest, best restaurants. Awesome, amazing restaurant. Today. Great space. Great
2: friends of ours, great chef, Ryan Hardy, uh, amazing cuisine. So we're really excited about it, and the, the focus of the Appalachian is Kornos, um, and not, we're not just having one great producer, but we're having a small assortment of great producers from Kornos, uh, including Vincent Paris, uh, including Franck Balthazar, uh, Mathieu Barret, and really, really excited to have Olivier Klopp from Domaine Klopp uh, joining us. And uh, it's going to be just an amazing night where we taste through each of these domains and some really great wines that they're bringing over from their personal libraries. over And in that's
3: generally a smaller group, too. Mm-hmm. Bigger than the other night, but not... Bigger
4: Bigger than the Thursday night. Right. We're looking to about 50 people still, for, for that night. Yeah. You know, so pretty, still fairly intimate, but, uh, but, but larger. Yes.
3: Then the next day, Thomas, as you alluded to, hits the ground running mm-hmm. and goes all night. Um, Are the seminars open to the public or that's more of a...
4: No, so the seminars, you know, we keep uh, for mostly uh, the trade and the the industry folks that are working with us. Um, While you have these guys in. Yeah, we have all these great producers here. Not everybody, you know, as, as much as like social media might try to say otherwise. Our lives are not just filled with travels to, to wine regions. and right. A lot of these uh, sommeliers have never met these producers before, so we really wanted to make sure that the sommeliers that are assisting with the service uh, throughout the course of the day get an opportunity to interact with the winemakers and, and be a part of something. So We're putting on, again, a, a seminar focused on Kornos uh, for all the working sommeliers of the event. However, we do have a few seats available for the, uh, for the package holder, so we're right. offering... Various packages that someone can purchase for, let's say you want to attend everything over the course you can of the get weekend, into that if that's then to you. that's accessible to uh, to the package holders. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, it's not a ticket. It'll make best. sense when you go on the
3: website correct, and see the package. Correct, correct. So that's the morning so that's seminars, the morning. and then it blows up into yeah, the walk around grand tasting. We go right
4: into the uh, the Northern Rhone Tasting, which is all of the winemakers at various stations throughout pouring their wines, uh, How many? From mostly give from me the me Vintage. Uh, we're looking at about 13 producers. Um, we mentioned a few of them from Kornos, but then we also have like uh, uh, the Domaine monnier that we mentioned from St. Joseph visiting. Uh, we've got uh, Antoine Graillot from uh, Domaine Grailleau coming. Uh, who else do we have Christine Vernet. Christine Vernet, exactly. Uh, gosh, I'm drawing blanks here. Uh, going <laughs> you, on? Go ahead. No, no, this year. He came last okay. year, yeah, so he's, he's promised he'll come uh, okay. every, every other year. Um, we mentioned Matibaray from Cornas.
2: Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see, who are we? I'm trying to think, wow, why am I drawing a blank to blank? That's all right. Uh, listen, <laughs> well, I was there list. last year. They're listed on the on the I list. I was there so, last and year. And it's COVID pretty vast. Yeah, and here's the
3: nice thing, and you mentioned it earlier. I mean, there's. <laughs> you know, a big walk around with a lot of tables, and on each table are you know multiple, you know tastings and all of that, and they are being poured by the most knowledgeable, best somm force in the country, not just New York. Correct, correct. Um, so we
4: have uh, top notch sommeliers from all over, right. uh, all over the foreign. world. Yeah, yeah, all over the world. We got like guys coming in from France, from yep. Sweden, um, so then, different parts of the U.S., so it's pretty exciting. And, uh, you know, it's also supplemented with, um, with various food stations. So we've got a lot of restaurant partners from around New York that will be uh, serving their, their cuisine. Uh, so it's a really, really fun tasting. We're expecting anywhere between like six and 800 people to show up. Um, but it doesn't it's, feel... Really fun.
3: It doesn't feel... It's very well spread
4: out. Yeah, we also have games going on and things like that, too. So there's lots to see and do, lots of wine to taste, lots of great food to eat. Um, and it's from 1 to 4 in the afternoon. So it's a nice then stretch time. if you didn't drink enough
3: there, you could continue the day and do what now?
4: Exactly. So then that rolls right over into the uh, La Rue dinner, uh, which is the kind of the big celebration, right? So that's when all of the producers, again, sit down and join... All of the attendees for um, a multi-course dinner. Mm -hmm. Correct. Right. Uh, We'll have various chefs cooking uh, for that meal as well. Each preparing a different course. Uh, Each of the winemakers are sending over uh, back vintage wines from their domain to add to the celebration. So not only will yeah a lot of big bottles, a lot of older vintages. So not only will the guests be bringing some wine for them to share with. Uh, with uh, the people surrounding them, but also the winemakers also providing a, a good amount of wine for the guests as well. So it's do it's, people uh, it's eventually get up and just
3: start sharing wine? Yes, they and... do. Yes, they do. Sorry. By the end of
4: the dinner, everybody's moving around okay. and sharing
2: and tasting, and it's really fun.
3: That that how many people? Is that like That's, a couple that, hundred.
2: Or? Oh, that that dinner—it's big, but we're closer to like a hundred and twenty. Okay, Which that, is that includes manageable, exactly. And you know, just to re, just to reinforce some of the things we said before, amazing sommelier team. Um, all all of whom are donating their time, and a lot of them—not like oh, five exactly. or six. It's, like it's like dozens. a team of it's a team of about forty to fifty yeah. sommeliers. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, of course, the entire uh, you know production team and, and people who are serving. Um, so it's a really great turnout of, of people. It's it feels amazing to see people getting up sharing their bottles, like you said. Um, we will have a silent auction component. There's also going to be a live auction component. Um, and this is where I just want to kind of circle back to, you know... Did you of, do that last year? We did, yeah. We did, okay. We did last year. Um, and, you know, just to sort of uh, just to sort of say, we raised over $330,000 for No Kid Hungry last year. Again, 100% of the proceeds go to the charity. That's enough to feed $3.3 3 children um, who, are, who are fighting with hunger. That's this, the money shot right there. Man. And, and the sad yeah. statistic, one in six children in the U.S. Um, has to face uh, issues with hunger and is not able to necessarily gain access to proper nutrition for breakfast and for lunch primarily. And so it's an important cause and that's the sort of You know, thing that is really important to Dustin and I, and we're very lucky in this world of food and wine to have great resources and the availability and the connections to a lot of people on the restaurant side as well as on the winemaking side. So to be able to do this all for such a great cause, to use our resources to do good, feels really amazing. Kudos
3: to you guys for that. A lot of hard work creates a lot of you know resources for a lot of good people. Um, And a lot of people do a lot of events, and I'm not sure they write down 100% proceeds. So that's a big deal, too. Um, Let's close that out. That's the uh, Saturday night dinner, auction, silent, and uh, regular one. Did you say? And then when that ends and you wake up in someone else's house, there's still one more place left to go on Sunday, right? Yeah, that's
4: right. Well, we didn't mention the after party. Yeah. Oh, the after party. That yeah, so night. right, right, right. I'm sorry. If you want to keep drinking. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the, the dinner then flips right over into, uh, into a really great after party. So uh, essentially the area that we utilize for the tasting during the you day. go back As everyone's space. enjoying yeah. the dinner, that space gets flipped. For the after party. So we'll have a DJ and uh, again, nice. lots more food, more booze, more what, wine. What time did that break up? Uh, so that breaks up around midnight. Okay. So finally, after, you know, if you've stayed all day long, that's a solid uh, 14 hour day? 13, 14 hours <laughs> of okay. drinking. Uh, you should have your fill by that point. And, uh, and then Sunday. And That's really fun. And then Sunday, we do, uh, a, we do uh, a, a great little, much more casual, calm gathering uh, on the rooftop of the Nomad Hotel. Uh, And this is a chance, again, for uh, all the working sommeliers and chefs and everybody that works at the event to interact with the winemakers that are there, uh, say our kind of goodbyes. Is that available to package people That is also available to package holders only. Uh, That is also not a ticketed event.
3: Right. Keep that in mind, and that'll become obvious on the website. All right. So let's go over the vitals. So the date... Of Rabool Taron, 2018 is Thursday through that party on Sunday. Mm-hmm. That is what's November
4: 15th through the 18th. Right, Oops.
3: 15th is Thursday night dinner. 16th is the Friday night dinner. The two uh, private yep. dinners. Saturday is Saturday, the big Saturday day. is a long day mm-hmm. of events. Yep. You can go to the tasting and the dinner. You can go to just the dinner if mm-hmm. you want. Yep. Right, um, you'll see that. And then there's the after party. And then Sunday you have your thing. Um, the locations. Locations, so the... So the main things, like, yeah, you know, so, the tastings and the dinner. Yeah, the, the
4: dinners, uh, one of them was uh, the Thursday night dinners at a private uh, residence in Tribeca, in a nice loft in Tribeca. Uh, Fridays at Legacy Records, as you mentioned. Uh, Saturday, the big day, everything takes place at uh, 180 Maiden Lane. Uh, which is down in Fideye.
3: Uh, is that the sec. same location as last year? It is the same as last year. So it's yes. a big, open, airy, glassy, exactly. beautiful space. Yeah, yeah, so great, you went back. yes. Great space. Yeah. space. space. I yeah, really, really loved it.
4: So there's no reason to change it up. Um, so that's all day Saturday, including the tasting, the dinner, the, uh, the seminar, the after party, all of it. Uh, and then uh, the rooftop at the Nomad for Sunday. Okay. Yep. All
3: right. One more time. If people want more information, purchase tickets reboulderone.com reboulderone.com
4: we also recommend uh, following the reboulderone instagram uh, just at reboulderone okay.
3: I was going to ask you that later but I'll ask you again too um Alright, so that's for Rhone. That's a very exciting event. If you love wines from the Northern Rhone, it's kind of like an orgy. If you're interested or curious, these are the guys and this is the place to really, you know, embed yourself and, you know, taste some things and all of that. Alright, Thomas and Dustin, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about some other things going on in your life. I want to subject you to our wine list, and we're going to uh, talk about this uh, Klopp Renaissance Cornas. You're listening to The Great Nation on Heritage Radio Network. We'll be right back.
1: This program is brought to you by Jewel Sous Vide. My name is Katie Mosman-Wadler. I'm the executive director of HRN and a real-life Jewel user. I use Joule to help me host the most delicious dinner parties. When you cook with Joule, there's zero guesswork. So steak, chicken, seafood, turkey, vegetables, and eggs all come out exactly the way you like them. The Parrot app is super intuitive and has a great visual doneness guide. Joule is awesome for prepping many perfect portions, making it easy to cook for a crowd, and it's hands-free so you can focus on entertaining while Joule does the work. And pro tip, Joule is also great for travel, I throw mine in my suitcase if I'm headed to a rental house with any kind of uncertain kitchen. From perfect steak to juicy, tender Thanksgiving turkey, Jewel makes the best food you've ever tasted. Just be sure to save some room for mini jars of pumpkin pie. Jewel, perfect food, every time. To get yours, visit chefsteps.com slash and use code HRN, as in Heritage Radio Network, to get $15 off for a limited time. That's ChefSteps.com slash J-O-U-L-E, code HRN.
4: A reason to be alive.
3: All right, we're back with my guests, Thomas and Dustin. They are the founders and creators of Rebolderone. Um, let's start with you, Thomas. You recently, very recently, launched a new wine project. yes. And it is called Vinnie, and the name is significant of what it is. So tell me, you know quickly what's going on here.
2: Definitely. Well, just for, for a little bit of background, um, having lived in the Finger Lakes for about a decade, uh, you the, went to school up exactly. there. Exactly. I went to school in the area. Um, and honestly, was in the area, still planning to go to medical school, but fell in love with the world of food and wine, was working in restaurants there, wanted to cut my teeth in This guy this was, was a musician, <laughs> then wanted to go to medical school, and now he's like a sommelier. If I'm his dad, I smack him in the head. But I digress. So keep going, all right? Thanks for that, Sam. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I had a lot of passions, and I wanted to pursue them. And so uh, I, I got into food and wine, and I got into restaurants. And learned about the world of wine and Finger Lakes was my backyard. Uh, You know I was 20 minute drive from the restaurant where I was working at the time to you know the top vineyards in the area so on my days off I wanted to get some experience in the vineyard and in wine cellars and it was really fascinating for me with a a science and an art background because you know winemaking and the world of wine and food kind of combines art and science in a a really fun way. Um, So when I made my move back to New York City trying to promote um, in, in the restaurants I was working, all of my friends' wines, all the great Finger Lakes wines that were being made. And eventually I kind of got, got bitten by the bug of wanting to start my own production, um, sort of in the same way that chefs get to really create their own dishes and, and become known for, you know, for recipes or dishes. Um, you know, I wanted to be able to create something from scratch. Um, and so that's how I got into the winemaking side of things. So I launched uh, a small boutique, a brand called Tarasen uh, with my wife um, in 2014. Focuses old vine red wine, uh, rosé. Uh, really inspired by our favorite producers in Europe. So we make some whole cluster Cabernet Franc. We make some Gamay that's inspired by Beaujolais. Uh, we make some rosé from Blaufränkisch. And uh, with this vintage, for the first time, uh, a little bit of really crunchy, juicy uh, red Blaufränkisch, which is going to be intended nice. as a sort of spring summer uh, sipping wine. You know, enjoy it with a chill. Um, then uh, Great label
3: with like a line drawing. Exactly. Ball. I can't describe exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, it's a woodcut of uh, yeah. a
2: number of vines that are kind of entangled. So that's um ter- <clears throat> Terrassen, uh, yeah, Terrassen, yeah, Tarasen. exactly. Okay. And uh, so that's a small boutique, focused on old vine reds. Um, also launched, a, a created a small Riesling project called Empire Estate. That's me and a couple of friends who are in the wine industry and in the restaurant industry, and the focus there is just Riesling, specifically dry Riesling. Um, stylistically, it's inspired by my favorite dry Austrian and German Rieslings. Um, but again, 100% Finger Lakes, but it's Finger Lakes Terroir coming through with a nod to European winemaking style. And so there's a couple of angles there, Empire Estate, you can't think of anywhere else but New York when you hear the name. We All we do is dry Riesling, and we really just make one wine,
3: because you realize Is it restaurant only, or no, both? No, it's everywhere. It's, it it's, it's okay. restaurant, it's retail. we have got it
4: at the, uh, at the verb we'll shop. We'll get to and, that. Calm uh, down, <laughs> will you? No, no, what I want to say is uh, it's, it's great, because... Every time I blind taste sommeliers on that wine, they always call it Austrian, so I think that's Ooh. pretty cool.
2: There we go. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that, certainly.
3: Um, yeah. yeah that's, I've been seeing a lot of social media on Empire. Which is great. Not sure. just you posting three times a day, but... You know <laughs> restaurants and stuff. I mean, is, all, all good. I'm being hot when, when other people I, I you see know, you know, world, know, I, to I see influencers works. and good people, Sommeliers and all of that. All right, So that is Empire State. And, and really, mm-hmm. you know it is a terrific wine and if you're in a restaurant or a store, you should give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then And then the, the new, cool new hotness, project, the
2: super new hotness is Vinnie. Um, and Vinnie is a canned sparkling white wine. Um, from the Finger Lakes, and there's, you know, the the, the focus on Vinny really is, um, the name is, is a fun play on words, it's uh, a combination of the word van, V-I-N which is French for wine, plus N-Y, New York, uh, equals Vinny, V-I-N-N-Y is Vinny um, and so the, it is wine from New York and um, it's sparkling white wine in a can um, you know the story is not about the grapes but it's a combination of dry Riesling and Brunner, uh that's deliciously bubbly and it comes in these wonderful four packs uh, so four 250 milliliter cans so you get a liter box you know right around 20 bucks on a store shelf and you know i had been thinking about this for a couple of years but hadn't seen maybe enough traction in the canned wine world to really want to jump into it you know in 2015 or in 2016 but then you really started to see more and more wine producers putting high quality wine in a can um, and i with his last vintage with 2017 i said you know what it's time to pull the trigger and, and make this happen and honestly like as sommeliers our primary focus is get more people to drink wine often, as much as possible, wherever they go. And, you know, the canned format is now actually considered a legitimate and, you know, quality-focused format. And so for those people who want to drink really good wine, at the beach, at a pool, at a concert, when they're hiking, basically wherever bottles can't go, that's right. what Vinny is supposed to do. Right. Um, so again, focus there is just to get more people to, to drink wine, and specifically in this case, you know, more New York, more Finger Lakes wine.
3: And you said it's predominantly um, Riesling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dry Riesling
2: Gruner okay. Blend. It's limey, it's lemon lime, juicy, fresh, bright, crisp. No
3: additives to it. No, no additives. Just just, wine. It's just a wine. It's, it's literally just sparkling, sparkling wine. wine. Exactly. Okay. And I know you released it this year. Mm-hmm. And this summer. It's available in restaurant stores. The distribution keeps getting better. Right? Exactly, yeah. So look for Vinny. It's V I N N Y. It's a yellow and silver can. Yep. Yellow and white. Yeah,
2: yellow, white, silver. Yeah. Is, mm-hmm.
3: Um, and like you said, it's a great beach wine, party wine, backyard, or even, you know, inside and all of that. Um, so those are some exciting projects. You're pretty busy, plus congratulations. You just had your second baby.
2: Thank you so much. Um,
3: so she's a little angel. Yeah. Um, all right, Dustin, so some interesting developments here. Um, if you're a wine nut, you've been following the movie Psalm of which you were in the original one, and you were the only guy who passed the test, right? Well,
4: no, it was uh, <laughs> two of Brian and I passed. McClintock? McClintick, yeah. We passed. Glad you and him are getting along. Yes. Um, so, and was, then, and so was uh, the and then, two. I, I forgot about yeah, it. Yeah, and then Ian passes at the right. very, very end. But, yes.
3: but the original Psalm, you know, Dustin was uh, prominently OG. featured in there, OG. And then there was Psalm... <laughs> In the bottle. Into the bottle. Into the yes. bottle. And now there is the third installment, Psalm Three. Psalm Three. What yeah. an original yes. name! Does it have a? It's so a, so a, funny because I say oh,
4: Psalm here? Three is coming
3: out, and everybody goes, "I didn't
4: realize there was a second one." <laughs>
3: <laughs> so, so tell me a little about tell me a little about you know the movie, what's going on in it, and you know where we can see it or eventually see yeah,
4: it. Yeah, you know, you know. Not, Selfish front, you know. I'm I'm featured fairly prominently in the film, and uh, some new people on so so the is passers, Herb, so it's my wine shop. So I'm pretty excited about it on that end. Um, and I just was actually out in Napa uh, recently to uh, to watch the movie with uh, with a crowd, and it was super well received. So we're we're really excited about it. I think it's a great balance of if you've seen the other two, it's a good balance of both entertaining like the first one was, but also has a little bit more uh, kind of wine. Geek kind of fun stuff in there too, uh, whereas you know the second one, the second movie was very very wine heavy and didn't have a whole lot of so like more wine. mass
3: appeal. Or are you saying? Definitely more mass
4: appeal than the second one. Like actually. a fun movie, not just You can right? watch it and uh, and whether you know a lot about wine or not, and just be entertained.
3: So where can the average guy go or find it? So, through the end of the year, it's doing these
4: kind of very limited uh, one-night-only theatrical runs uh, throughout the country. So, my recommendation would be to, if you're not already following the Psalm Films Instagram account, that's, that tends to be the, the primary place where they make the announcements where these... Uh, so, it's not the classical movies opening
3: on a Friday. No, um, no, no. You know, it's a documentary, Hollywood. so it doesn't so quite go Set, that way. Right.
4: Yeah, exactly. So, their website... They're, uh, they don't just need... Google Psalm three. Yeah, I would recommend yeah. just go to Instagram and follow them yeah. on their account. They're posting about screenings all the time
3: and you're very excited about that it's Absolutely a very said, cool uh, yeah yeah definitely. yeah. I'm he looks really good in the movie too
4: well it was really sure. cool you know without giving like, anything away you know I got to meet some really heavy hitter people and I got to pour wine for uh, Jancis Robinson and uh, Stephen Spurrier and I Fred saw Dame on Instagram and, today if you, yeah, if so, you look uh, at
3: Dustin's which I'll give you the yeah, for me
4: from a, from a sommelier career highlight you know it was pretty cool it was you couldn't to, put a suit on for you know, that fly to Paris for those and, two <laughs> alright alright you
3: know <laughs> Tough, right. room, tough right. room, tough room. All right, Good. so that's Psalm 3. that That's brand new. So like I said, you know, if you're really into uh, some very cool aspects of the wine world, it's definitely a fun movie. And let's talk about some of the new people, like Laura Maniac is in it. Who are people that...
4: Yeah, we've got a great uh, representation from uh, New York. Laura Maniac, um, Aldo Psalm is in it. movie. Aldo right. Michael Engelman from Engelman. The Modern. Uh, Who else do we have? Pascaline Lapeltier is in the movie. Salvatore Sigaria. Some
3: great great Uh, people. Yeah,
4: awesome, awesome lineup
3: of people. All right, and you recently opened your second um, location of Verve in San Francisco. Indeed. Um, I think I nailed it when I uh, described it, you know, earlier. I think Verve is a retail and online marketplace you know, with very curated, som curated, Mm -hmm. of which you're a master sommelier. So, I mean, if you have the luxury of being in San Francisco or New York, you could walk in. Um, But otherwise... If you're not
4: in those towns, you know, visit the website. I mean, we're trying to be a little bit more digital first uh, from a retail perspective. And, you know, really took a lot of time and energy to to make the uh, online experience really robust and easy to use and uh, with great wine. So, if you like kind of those more curated types of wines, uh, you can visit the site and find a lot of really great stuff. And there. one
3: of the things that...
2: How many states, by the way? I think it's like almost uh, well, the whole country, Yeah, I think huh? we, we, can, we, can, yeah. Uh, we can serve uh, basically... Wine and liquor about, shipping I think it's is 42 out of the lower
3: 48 states. 42 yeah. states. Good yeah. point, Thomas. So, double-check that you yeah, can yeah, be, yeah. you know, served shipping, by that. Market. I will
4: say, you know, shipping wine is a huge pain in but... And, you know... <laughs>
3: compliments to you guys two of the things that you are superior at is service and hospitality I mean I think that's why you're where you're at you were at 11 Madison you're a Nomad um, you know you continue to thrive in the business I think when you walk into a verve you're not just walking into a wine store and being helped I think it's a hospitality experience yeah absolutely but I think the connection which is you know a nice thing um, thank you for that yeah um, Appreciate that. I, I wouldn't expect less because, that like that's car. your background. <laughs> All right. So that's what these guys are doing. They're pretty busy. Um, we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but I want to do two things. I want to do our wine list where I ask you guys a bunch of questions about your preferences. If you remember, we did it last time. We did a special Rhone edition, Rebouille de Rhone. We're going to do... Uh, edition number two, and then for our weekly wine sip, we're going to just quickly talk about this wine Mm -hmm. and uh, evaluate it and rate it and everything. All right, so this is the special boulderon edition volume two wine list. So, we may have covered this earlier, but what are you drinking now? What's on your table now? What's in your sights? Is it Mm -hmm. seasonal? You know, I know you said Spanish, I know you... But any other stuff?
2: Yeah, um, I think i kind of. I like to think about what's in my fridge at home. And, right. You know, that's that's what I want to know, which will be different
3: four months from now. But what about now? Well, it
2: ties into one of your questions earlier. Um, value from the northern Rhone, Cote du Rhone from producers that okay. are known for making high quality wines, like a Cote du Rhone from a Domaine Clock, uh, You know, would be a good a good example, or a Franc Balthazar, uh, for instance. You know, juicy, young, fresh wines like that. Uh, finding delicious Beaujolais, um, you know, from any number of Appalachians in the area, whether it's a classic like uh, La Pierre, for instance, um, always has a place. Um, you know, I certainly I drink Nebbiolo all the time. It's one of my favorite varietals, and so but not just Barolo. No, right? exactly. Give it's me a, some Nebbiolo d'Alba from top producers, like a, or a producer like Proditorio del Barbaresco. It's right. a commune of a commune of growers. There's the,
3: the plain, regular Poditor. Exactly
2: the normal the normale Barbaresco, uh, or even the Nebbiolo Lunga Nebbiolo, which is a great value. It's delicious. Uh, you know certainly I mentioned Riesling from the Finger Lakes that's going to be there you have to have standbys like a Chablis you know as, even if it's an entry level village wine uh, you know I didn't ask you what
3: you're drinking for the next year I'm just I'm telling you on those are all good choices now what what are you drinking now
4: so if we're being honest about what's in our refrigerator right now mine is actually mostly stacked with Vinny
2: ooh
4: Vinny yeah I've got a lot of Vinny in the fridge right now we got a lot of Vinny in the fridge okay so what else? It gets cracked open from time to time. There we go. Uh, also been, uh, likewise, always got some northern Rhone stuff hanging around. Okay. Uh, and, and for me, still Beaujolais. I love drinking Beaujolais, like especially with a little chill on it. Ah. It's just easy. You know, most yeah. of my wine consumption, frankly, happens when I get home at night and from yeah. work, and I just want something kind of easy You're still going to drink and taste and, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
3: this show's not about me, but all I'm drinking right now is Beaujolais. Yeah, just like inexpensive, just like chocolatey, enjoyable stuff. Like, yeah. I I anything mean, just fancy. Diving deep into yeah. that. All right. So I asked you this last time, but let's do it again. Um, favorite Rhone wine and food pairing? It's a very mm. specific, you know, deep brooding, spicy, meaty wine. I could ask you, what does it pair well with? But what do you, yeah. what's your favorite pairing?
2: You know, I'm gonna go ahead and do the the high level thing here and say just like an insanely delicious burger. I'm a big fan juicy of like, burger. A Juicy burger Juicy burger Bacon cheddar burger
3: I was just going to say It handle the cheese Yeah and the exactly chest. I mean You know bacon. maybe
2: a little smoke On the bacon Give it a little smokiness You know it complements The smokiness of you know Northern Rhone Syrah I think is delicious And you're not spending A, a ton of money on You can certainly say Like a great dry aged ribeye Right For sure yeah But Burger the, more accessible yeah, Burger Say no more What about you?
4: So I can't really argue with that or, or make anything better than that So I'll say On the white rum Side of things Because I think that everybody. that they do make white wine there we talked about Uh, actually a great like uh kind of white ermitage or white uh, saint joseph wine that's with marsan base with like a nice roast chicken Mm -hmm. and maybe like especially like a more fall preparation maybe some morel mushrooms and like butter and like some richer flavors of that is pretty pretty
3: tasty that's a good call all right so without incriminating leaving out you know not being afraid to answer the question, favorite wine restaurant or bar in New York that one is a good wine restaurant and bar, you know, good attention to wine, the list, people, the knowledge, but throw Ronin. Like you know they're going to have some bottles and all that. Can you think of any?
2: Yeah, I think I'm, We can um, come up with a few. We can definitely come up with a few. Uh, I hear the nomad has. Give me a couple. Stuff. You know, I can't, I'm not going to plug <laughs> Nomad because I'm not. Well, the, I'll a plug Nomad.
3: <laughs> Will you vouch for me that the Nomad has enough range of uh, Northern Roan selections to satisfy? Even the most discerning customers? Yes, hundred percent okay. everything. Okay. So nomads uh, accessible okay. to continue please. But
2: I, I wanted to throw in because you know it's kind of emeritus to De Duron, Pasquale Jones. Um, you know, I love pizza. I would eat I have a, a second stomach for pizza. I would <laughs> eat it every day. Um, and they they have amazing pizza, Pasquale Jones, and they have a really well curated uh, you know, it's a smaller list. Uh, but it's really well curated, and that's where you're going to find more of the to go with, you know, great pizza or a, a support record. shoulder. Yeah, All right. so Dustin, can't yeah, disagree
4: I with that. I love Pasquale. Um, I have two recommendations. Go. One on the on the kind of more casual. End of things. Uh, gotta no give a shout out to uh, Caleb Ganser and Company, company Events or Naturel. It's and a show so, uh, favorite. Uh, really love those guys. Love what But wine, really you can go in and yeah, they have drink great wine okay. on the list. Um, and it's also just a great place nice to drink wine. Uh, the other place I think is it's a little more high end is uh, Michael Engelman at the Modern. Incredible. I, think I just stayed the there. Absolute best wine list in the city right best now. Best everything. Uh, those guys are absolutely killing it. What yeah. he's done with that program is
3: really amazing. So, Company is a very cool, hip place to, you know, have a glass, even some food. Engelman at the Modern, mm-hmm. you know, will give you that experience. Thomas at the Nomad, same thing. All right. Those are all good ones. Favorite all-time Rhone wine? Under 50 bucks.
4: Under 50 bucks? Ooh.
3: Any, any time, vintage, whatever. But it just wasn't an arm and a leg.
4: I, can I... Again, I hate... Oh, it. sorry. Go for it. Can I... Before uh, you forget... I'm not going to remember... The, I, I don't know the producer's name. Is that okay? It's okay. Oh, I'll it's do some research. Experience. It's an experience. Went to Burns a couple years... Burns like in Tampa, Florida. Two, one of the great, great wine
3: restaurants in the great world. Great wine
4: restaurant. Went down there. Uh, I can't remember why I was down there. But I was by myself. Decided to walk cross the street over to Burns and sit down in the bar room area, ordered a great steak and a bottle of 1979 Kornos, uh from some, like, negociant that I don't think exists any longer, and it was 39 bucks on the list. See, that's,
3: that's the place, the experience,
2: and the uniqueness. That's the answer I'm looking for. What do you got? You know what? I'm going to do... Let's, let's find something accessible that you find now in a city like New York. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say... The Van de Puy Syrah from Domaine Jamais. It is a very esteemed oh, estate yes. in Cote Rotie. Yeah, yeah. You carry that, right? Verve yeah. Wine has it. So, um, so Jamais is, is this
3: legendary it. northern yeah. home producer, yeah. but they it's make a, a... But
2: they make some introductory level wines, including a... Just J-A-M-E-T. A bottle labelled, yep, bottle labeled Syrah. What's um, the name of the wine? Uh, well, it's... It's Vend Colline Pey It's a de Pey, but it just says Syrah Got on it. the label and Gemme. Um, and there's not a lot of it that goes around. But when you, when you find it, it's delicious and World you're wine it,
3: and has top it wine. from time to time. That's where I said I'm trying. Two two great you know calls. I wouldn't expect less from you guys. Last question, okay. and then we're gonna taste the wine. Um, best Rome wine around fifteen bucks, 15, 20 bucks. Uh, I need a red. I need a white. Um, I always say this, it's super redundant, but my kids are in their mid 20s. They're yep. starting to make money. They're going to a dinner party. They want to bring a nice wine, but they ain't spending 40, 50 bucks. They're going to spend 15, 18, 20. What's the killer bottle, white and red? Mm-hmm. But stay within the room for me as best as you can.
4: Yeah, I think uh, for me on the red side, I might have to go back to uh, uh, a staple like Jean Louis Chauve and the uh, negotiant stuff that he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So for me, like the, the Cote de that he produces under the John We Shop Selections label, uh, I think is hits right around 20 But the bucks. quality, the uh, value, with quality, the producer, from a all
3: fantastic boxes are yeah. checked. Yep. So exactly. Shav, okay. Thomas?
2: I'm trying to think about a good white counterpart that would fit in that price point. Is it tougher? Um, the it white? Is, it's tougher because there's not. So give me the, the best
3: value white. In the Rhone.
2: Yeah, we said Monia Carreo. Vienna.
3: from Monia yeah. He's a great producer, Bionet. great yep. value in all yep. of it. All right, I'm going to post all those. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap the show up, and I only have a few minutes to do this, but uh, every week we uh, taste a different wine on air for a weekly wine sip. For this uh, week, I asked Dustin and Thomas to bring in a wine and tell me about this wine.
4: So uh, in honor of the de Rhone, and not only in honor of de Rhone, but uh, in honor of this producer in particular, uh, we brought a bottle of uh, Domaine Clapp Cornas, uh, the Renaissance bottling from 2011, um, and it's pretty special and, and really kind of uh, uh, bittersweet to be drinking these wines. Uh, just a few months earlier, uh, August Clapp uh, passed away, and um, really, really big deal to not just Cornas, but all of the Northern Rhone. Um, so we've been trying to drink as much Klopp lately as possible, um, and we're really honored this year to be uh, kind of making Kornos a pretty big focus of, uh, of the Reboult. So uh, I think it just goes without saying, this is a great one to
3: pop so up. So great backstory. let's talk about the wine. So it's Klopp, you know a little about Klopp, yep. it's a Kornos. Did you say earlier Kornos has Always to be a 100%, 100% Syrah, Syrah. Correct. so there's 100% Syrah wine. Um, Renaissance is this particular bottling, correct? Yes. Yep. Give me approximate retail on this.
4: Approximate retail is right around hundred
3: bucks. Okay, actually. so it's yep. a baller wine. Yeah. Um, not it's also crazy. Also has a few years of age on it. Too. Right. It's yeah. a two thousand eleven. Quickly eleven, a good vintage. Very good vintage. Again, we kind
4: of we're talking about you know some of those more kind of quote unquote classic vintages. Uh, the 2011s have great elegance and great finesse and um, while it's not a really big powerful vintage I think this is uh, kind of the, uh, the quintessential style of Syrah that especially al- it is, guess, because really of
3: what you just said would the 11 be a little less price wise than some of the other it would fancy, versus like fancy. 2010 for example so
4: which is much different you get into cloud, you
3: get into cornos, you get into Renaissance yeah, clap, right. you
4: can't really talk about the abolition of Cornos without talking about right. clap.
3: All right, let's evaluate it. So I, I want to talk about two things, this wine and what's classic in um, uh, Rhone wines and this particular Coronas. So the color, deep purple, mm-hmm. what do you see in there?
4: Yeah, deep purple is good. Almost a little it's bit a little of, of garnet. Garnet, garnet. a garnet. Garnet. It's to it got too. about seven years of age to it. Okay,
3: give me nose descriptors. So you
4: know, Thomas mentioned a really good number of... Uh, descriptors earlier but you know for me it's very classic meaty smoky um, what I love about this too it's got great like uh, black olive kind of salty uh, more charcuterie kind of uh, fruit, nowhere fruit else do you get it.
3: those descriptors bunched up like meaty yeah, no, it's smoky great. it's a tapenade, very savory bacon, bacon, yeah, totally right? yes bacon
4: tapenade exactly yeah exactly.
3: I mean those are just terrific descriptors it's so, extremely savory yeah. savory those are all savory things so, so that's the nose. All right, let's uh, throw it over the tongue, and let's talk about mouthfeel first. Is it a medium, medium plus, full? What do you get?
2: Well, I was. You, we can talk about that in terms of like the you know quantitative components, but I just want to say you know this is this really on the palate shows what's great about Northern Run Syrah. It's dark and dense, and it has a, an intense concentration of flavor, but it's also still very refreshing and very liquid. Right. There's a lot of acidity. That like sensation if you've been into a lemon. You salivate right afterwards. You have plenty of that acidity in this wine, which refreshes you after. You it, it, get a
3: full mouth and attack, but it's not heavy yep. or cloying or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the mouthfeel. I mean, I get exactly what you said. How, how do you describe that? I mean, you did describe it, but if you had to, is there a word to describe that? Not really. It's just not like weighty. You know, it it's not weighty. Down. Yeah, it's, it's a, not weighty, but it's not. It's, simple a, it's got it or, a lot of flavor. Right. It's got
4: a lot of richness to it, but it's not heavy. Mm-hmm. All right,
3: let's talk palate. Do the nose descriptors translate to the palate?
4: I think so. For me, it really translates, especially the the saltiness of it. You know, yeah. it really translates well. So again, you kind of go back to pairing this with like a nice. Cheeseburger with bacon and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Bloody and, steak. Yeah, yeah, or like a nut, great ribeye or something. It's got that like extra salty, kind of meaty component to it that I think pairs really nicely with those mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I mean, it's, it's classic with that. Um,
2: it's classic for a reason.
3: Do mm-hmm. we like this wine? Do we love this wine?
2: I love this wine. Thomas? I'm a, uh, you know, medium plus to high love on this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: All right. So that's the 2011 uh, Klopp, C-L-A-P-E, uh, Renaissance is the bottling, Kornos, um is the region, and the grape is Syrah. All right, guys, we're going to wrap the show up. If you have a question, suggestion, wine happening, or event, hit me up at samatthegrapenation.com. That's samatthegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. Follow us on Instagram, at SBenRuby, but follow the hashtag, the Nation on Twitter or at BenRuby. Also subscribe to The Grape Nation podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'll post Dustin and Thomas' wine list and information on our uh, weekly wine sip um, across all our social media sites. Um, before we go, let's talk one more time. If you want to find more information on Rabouda Reboldurone.com. Uh, Vinnie Wine. Mm-hmm. Vinnie,
2: Vinnie.
3: Okay. Verve, if you'd like to shop online.
4: VerveWine.com.
3: Okay. V
4: E R V. Right.
3: And if you're in New York City, downtown, you walk in to the store in the newly recent open store in San Francisco where in
4: San Francisco it's in Pack Heights. Pack uh,
3: on Fillmore Street. Fillmore, okay. Washington. Yeah. Please walk in there. Um if people wanna follow you guys, Thomas on social media.
2: Yep, it's at my name. At Thomas are, It's a tough one to spell, so Jesus Christ. I ahead. hope you have a lot of uh, Printed material to give Google,
0: out. Google, Google. <laughs> yeah. All right. Or <laughs> At Dustin,
2: Dustin. Hair. <laughs>
4: Dustin. At Dustin Wilson MS.
3: Right. And also an Instagram site for Bolderone. Correct. Right. Um, so I want to thank our guests, Master Sommelier Dustin Wilson and Thomas Pastuchek. Did I get that
2: right? You crushed it.
3: Jesus Christ, I suck. at that. We
2: should uh, drink more wine together. Uh, we will.
3: Uh, thank you to our engineer, Jeet, this week. And thank you to everyone at Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben-Ruby, and you've been listening to The Great Nation.
1: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you.